Welcome to People of Hope, a conversation on finding joy in all things with the pastoral staff of Ignatius House Jesuit Retreat Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Our topic this evening is finding joy in liturgy. Now, the term liturgy is often used interchangeably with mass, but liturgy is really the public prayer of the church. And so it's a lot more expansive, which is something we'll talk about. This pandemic has changed our relationship with liturgy, and some have found streaming mass to be just fine. Others have discovered uh, other ways of connecting to God and worship and community. A recent survey of over 2,200 young adult Catholics aged 18 to 35 found that 36% of them will attend mass less often after the pandemic. And many of these were weekly mass goers. So there's a lot to reflect on. If you're watching live, uh, share in the comments about how you have been engaging in liturgy and prayer these days. So let's begin. Our conversation this evening is with Peter Fink, a Jesuit on staff at Ignatius House, and Maria Kressler, the executive director at Ignatius House. Peter's a sacramental theologian, and so he's going to open with some of his own remarks and reflections on the topic. And I really encourage you to listen to them. He's, he's naming something that a lot of us have been noticing and wondering about. But Maria will first open us in prayer. Maria? Thank you, Andy. And so let us pray. In the gloria of gratitude, we are made mindful of the many marvels of life that sparks our hearts. You have not only given us life, but continue to increase that life by nourishing us. Blessed are you, holy sustainer, for the marvel of food, for bread and wine, for banquets and dinners, for picnics and suppers. With compassionate love, you fed Moses and his people in the desert, and you sustain us today with daily manna at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We are thankful for your son, Jesus, who was the living bread, broken, shared, and eaten in love. For this holy bread who calls us each to share ourselves unselfishly as food for one another, we bless you, divine source. We take delight with Moses, Jesus, and all the holy ones that parents, friends, teachers, and poets, artists, musicians, and people of prayer have all been food for us. Blessed are you, boundless Father, who have shared with us the secret of life to become nourishment and life for each other. May each meal we eat be a wonder of your worship of you. Blessed are you, Lord our God, who from our mother the earth does daily give us bread to eat. Amen. So I should go ahead then. This is my name is Peter Fink, as mentioned. Uh, also on the staff of Ignatius House. Um, and our topic, as I said, is, as we said, is the joy of liturgy. And as Andy mentioned, it usually is associated with the Eucharist, but it really covers many more things than just the Eucharistic liturgy. Uh, but the, the meaning itself, liturgy is from the Greek word meaning public service. Sometimes they call it work for the people. Sometimes they call it work of the people. 
I like to say it's God's work in and through the people. And the term liturgy can mean everything that happens when the church gathers for prayer. The Eucharist, all of the sacraments, the liturgy of the hours, the other events with scripture, song, movement, and gesture, or things drawn from the sacraments with water, oil, candle, incense, light. But it can also refer to the prayer beyond the church, such as families when they gather at home for prayer, or on the streets when Christians join publicly in peaceful marches trying to bring the claim of the gospel into the world around us. And my aim is to say that all of this in its many forms is a source of joy. And the question is, how do we get there? You know, joy itself is a complicated word. Uh, it means delight, pleasure, happiness. And there are many events in life that do bring joy, happiness, delight. But there are also many where such emphasis on joy would be almost out of reach. You know, and yet to speak of the liturgy means entering deeply into every human event, finding joy even in dark and troublesome places. You know, it's easy to find joy in the celebration of a wedding, for example, and less easy when you celebrate the death of a loved one. It's easy to find joy when people stand firm in their faith, such as baptism, confirmation, ordination for ministry. Less easy when you seek forgiveness in confession or healing in the sacrament of the sick. Yet the liturgy can be a source of joy in all dark moments. So what is there in liturgy that draws us to the depth where joy is to be found? Right now, uh, in this pandemic, the promise of liturgy has been put to the test. Both the Eucharist and the sacraments have been severely restricted. You know, we speak of the home as a sacred place where liturgy may occur. Well, in this pandemic, apart from streaming mass from the local church, little else was offered to the baptized. And as for marches that bring hope and promise the gospel on the streets, more often, folks found them more frightening than peaceful. Now, I want to start with the second, the home as a sacred place. Because, you know, when church is closed, and now even when open, they're still extremely limited. The invitation for the baptized in that realm has become more passive than participative. I keep thinking of the early church, you know, when domestic liturgy at home was essential to the church's prayer, just as much as the more formal gatherings when they all gathered together. You know, before the sacraments were even named a theological entity, Christians gathered in prayer at home. They heard the word. They broke bread in memory of the Lord. Our Eucharistic prayers remember, remind us that a meal did take place. You know, after the supper, he took a cup. After the supper. At home, Christians explored scriptures, listened to the call of Jesus in their lives. At home, Christians bathed and anointed the sick with oil and the touch of hands. At home, Christians wept when someone we love had died. In the pandemic, prayer was virtual which are far too many found more sad 
than joyful. Without perhaps realizing it, they hoped and longed for something that Vatican II indeed promised them. Quote, in the reform of the liturgy, the full and active participation by all of the faithful is the aim to be considered above all else. Watching the church's prayer on television is hardly full and active participation. So the domestic, the, the challenge rather for the domestic church is clear. The liturgy of the home needs to be discovered again with scripture reading, prayers of many kinds, and possibly even again, breaking bread in memory of the Lord. For unless this happens, then the baptized will not bring much when they do gather with other domestic churches in the full ecclesia, the parish church. Now let's look at the larger church gatherings when the baptized come to celebrate the Eucharist and other sacraments together with their priest. You know, in spite of recent efforts to re-clericalize the church's prayer, the mandate of Vatican II insists that the mass and the sacraments are the action of the priest and the people together. Again, Vatican II, quote, from this it follows that every liturgical celebration, because it is an action of Christ, the priest and his body, which is the church, is a sacred action surpassing all others the priest and his body, which is the church, Christ the priest. So priest and people together in song, dialogue, petitions, preparing the gifts and participation in the Eucharistic meal. Now participation is not something designed to keep people busy. It's about prayer. It's the proper way in which the church prays its liturgical prayer and it's only in prayer that all of us can discover why liturgy of the church in its many forms is filled with joy. Only if the liturgy is in fact a time of prayer will liturgy become a source of joy. You know, yet too many have yet to learn how to pray the liturgy. You know, an unfulfilled promise of Vatican II is that when people pray the liturgy, they don't just attend it. People pray when they're gathered for the liturgy, that's true. They offer mass, they listen to the readings, they learn something about themselves and about Jesus, and they wait for Jesus to appear in their midst, to adore him. They're all good moments, but not yet praying the liturgy. There are many examples, but let me just give one. You know, the when I was learning to pray the mass, uh, basically, the kiss of peace was a preparation for communion, it was, it was a private moment. And the kiss of peace then could only be seen as a distraction because it's, it's keeping me from that moment. But if we let the church guide us in our prayer according to its own ritual action, the church is inviting us to see communion as communion both with Jesus and with the community around me. It is a privileged moment when Jesus invites us into communion with him and hence with each other. Quote again from the Eucharistic prayer too. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Christ be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Now finally, the work of God in and through the people can also occur when believers take to the streets to preach the gospel there. 
This can be complicated because not everyone who's involved in protests are peaceful and not everyone motivated is motivated by the claim of the gospel. But the gospel itself does belong on the streets and its claim needs to be spoken and heard. Remember the old Latin phrase, ite missa es, go you are sent. Go sent to bring what happens here to the world around you. So the gospel needs to address the plight of immigrants, not just in homilies in church. The gospel needs to address issues of war, sexual trafficking, racial prejudice. Again, not just in homilies in the church. But because the gospel speaks the word of God, it speaks Christ and his justice. Perhaps a new kind of prophecy. For the word must be spoken to the ends of the earth. So the joy of liturgy is sometimes easier to find, more often difficult. But we need to believe that God is present in everything, not just in special places or at special times. And we need to believe that God can be found in everything, not just in special places or special times. The liturgy addresses life and death, sin and sickness, love and service. Liturgy at home, in the street or in the church shows how and where God continues to act among us. Thank you, Peter. Any thoughts from you, Maria? Oh, yeah, a lot of thoughts. <laughs> think about um, one of the thoughts as you were speaking and you keep referring to Vatican II and I was thinking of the blessing that I and, and I will do this in full disclosure on screen of being born in 1961 <laughs> and so literally uh, you know a, a child of the Va of Vatican II so when I started to um, when my parents were very involved in the church at the time and so this domestic church this church of this community community was something that I was very fortunate enough to start my Catholic Christian life living in. That is this idea that, um, the, that the family was that place. And my parents were very much brought the ritual into our home. And, and, and so even our meal times, things we were very conscious of were breaking bread together. And that was, there was something very liturgical about it. But more so that they, we had a lot of home masses. My parents were involved in Glen Mary missions. And so I, at a young age, was very conscious of it not just being something that happened in that building, in the church, as as we know it today, in that in the sanctuary of the of the churches that we were baptized in, for instance. But it but it gave me a very rich understanding at the beginning of my my uh, my particular um, path in my Catholic Christian faith that being home and sitting around the table. And, and then, of course, because it was coming from Glen Mary and my parents were involved with them and their outreach to the Appalachian poor, there was, for me, very early on, this connection to, to this liturgy experience that we did together. And then getting out there, being sent out to live and proclaim the gospel and by, by what we do. So when I, when I first was encountered your words, I was thinking about just a full of gratitude over my experience um, personal experience. And then, of course, it led me into my life um, in the church. And so I kind of, I, I have sat with many people. I am one of those folks who find watching mass, like, just has, has been very, like a vacuum for me. It was very hard. For, it's been very hard for me. I have a blessing of Ignatius House, so I've got some 
good fortune to be able to participate. But um, but but it did make me want to when we were in the middle of Lent and we were coming upon Easter and and all over the world. I mean, just that fact that we could not do what we always do, right? Come together. Um, I was with my grandchildren now because I've got a number of them, and we and zooming with the children on screen almost instinctually wanted there to be a participation and an act an action. And so, you know, um, we all, I made it very clear this wasn't math in the way that they would understand it in their churches uh, in their as a sacramentally, but I would argue maybe it was still sacramental in, in our own way. Um, gathered and sat around our own tables and participated. So, I, yeah, I, I, that's my, my first response. My first was one of just gratitude over over that experience of my life. But I think some of the, one of the things I really want to, want to, what really honed into me was attending versus praying. When you, when you use that phrase, I was, it, it stopped me because we all say, where do you attend church? We ask the question all the time, right? What, you know, what, what time do you attend? I mean, att- that's kind of like, we're just showing up for attendance. I'm here. <laughs> and here I am. I've got it. And when you just said praying, and then even when you described that we do, acts of prayer and learning, but that's still not praying the liter- I, I don't know, my whole head went like, okay, now talk to me, Peter. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> Tell John me. Gallant used to use the phrase, um, the difference between um, uh, program and prayer. Yeah. A lot of time people go to mass as a product, a product or prayer, that they come to mass as something that they're part of, as opposed to uh, as an opportunity to learn to pray with with Christ to the Father, that kind of it's a very different world. Yeah. And don't you think? I think, I think when we talk about people are missing Mass, and and I was thinking about that the communion and the idea that we're missing the body of Christ, but we're also missing being the body of Christ. Like it's it's more than we're just missing the the receiving of of Jesus in, in the Eucharist, but we we crave. We crave that, right? You know, for me, um, you know, we have a, well, we have a, a one-year-old, but we have a three-year-old and, and you know, we were taking her to church and, um, you know, after a while of having her in the nursery and having this peaceful mass, we decided it was important to bring her to mass, but now um, we're just streaming it. So church for our three-year-old who we want to form in the, in the faith and in the liturgical life of the church is so different. And, you know, for us, it, um, our feeling of loss was, was the community. And so actually early on during Lent, um, Tony Alonzo, a local uh, Catholic mu- musician, he had a live stream every Sunday evening of this beautiful music and prayer and intentions and everything. And there were probably a couple hundred people tuning in from all around the world watching. And I felt such a sense of community, of global community, of feeling feeling the body of Christ. It wasn't mass, but it was it was communal prayer. And now um, we stream the mass with our daughter, and we bring out bread and wine. Well, we bring out a wine glass with water, and our daughter Eva participates, and she she breaks the bread and she shares it with us and she shares it with her little brother. And it really, it is, it feels like truly communion. It's a, it's a, it's this sacred meal and she knows there's something special about it. And 
I've realized that the day that we can bring her back to church in person, it's there's going to be perhaps for her maybe a little bit of a letdown. First of all, she can't receive communion, and she might be wondering why. Uh, but there's going to be something I know that at that point I'll be I'll be grieving, you know, as well. You know, I had to, when I was up in Massachusetts, I was presiding. I for 25 years I presided in the Maronite Rite, uh, one of the Eastern Rites at Our Lady of the Cedars. And there was a, uh, a family who had a four-year-old boy. And after mass, he'd always come into the sacristy to receive an unconsecrated host. Finally, I said to the father, I said, why don't we do the real thing? He said, well, what about their first, his first Holy Communion? I said, this will be his first Holy Communion. So we did that. And every Sunday he would sit up in the front and it, it was really a remarkable kind of thing. You know, what happens when everybody else received their first communion? Well, he could say, I've been there, done that. I don't know what he said, but, but it really was. It was a great moment. I, I, I love to see that kid sitting in the front partaking because, you know, he was ready. I mean, anyone who comes into the sacristy just to kind of pick up an unconsecrated host, I'd have to say I'm not even... I wouldn't want to get into the theology of what he was receiving before he received his first communion, but when he did, it was really wonderful to, to see that happen. Yeah. I want to share a comment from, from someone from Carrie on Facebook. She said, um, I created a prayer table at home with my Sunday missiles, candles, a cross, and religious icons and prayer cards. I find it very peaceful. Um, you know, I wonder, you know, you, you said, Peter, you know, something else could be offered to the, to the baptized. You're talking about the liturgy of, of the home. For many people, they're, they're missing the Eucharist, right? They're missing uh, the true presence. They're missing that, um, how, how they understand the Eucharist. Um, what, what else could be offered? Uh, I, and well, I don't know if, if, if there really is a true replacement for what people are grieving. Well, I think what first that needs to be offered would be to understand that there is a relationship to what happens at home, to what happens in church. Now, however you want to draw the theological one, that will let theologians play with that. Because, But, you know, when, 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 when I talk about the early church, when you move from Judaism to Jewish Christianity, uh, they broke bread and memory at home well, along with their meals. And there was nobody raising the question about the real presence. In fact, I'm not even sure they yet had a sense of the fullness of the real presence associated with bread and wine. It was just simply the real presence in our gathering before God. So, I mean, there, there's, there's a way in which something could be offered that would be maybe as to use later start later later language that would be a sacramental, and a sacramental is that's drawn from the the, the public liturgy of the church that brings it into smaller realities at home, you know. And there's something in like in in the Byzantine church where people are many times are afraid to receive communion because of fasting, they go out of the church and they're given blessed bread. Well, there's something about what they're given, which is in relationship to what is that they've just taken place. So I, I think that the important thing would be 
whatever is offered at home, it should not be done in contradiction to or in separation from. It's got to be offered in terms of this reality and this reality share something. So that what you bring here, you bring to here. And what you learn here, you bring back here. Otherwise, it would get into that, that kind of strange separation, which isn't very helpful. I like just to use a, a famous prayer that we sing it actually when we sing father we thank you you have gathered my heart that's from the Didache that's a prayer which everyone says was just a a, a, a love meal or something like that no, it, was, it was clearly a, an early form of the Eucharist before it got developed into into more into more uh, rigid form later on in the third century Maria, what are you thinking? <laughs> what am I thinking? Well, I have I'm I'm kind of moving into um the 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 going and you are sent. I think the liturgy that take that goes moves beyond because while we cannot be perhaps in the sanctuaries together, there's much we can be doing as the body of Christ. So I think it's it's all I it makes me think back on how you talk about praying that liturgy. And so we can be praying and with and even if not present in um, but but that that connection to the you know we gather we're fed we we join one another in communion um, and then we are sent <laughs> and and I sometimes I sometimes don't think that that is all that clear we race to our cars we get in and we're and we're just right back into you know that this is that we that we go through the motions and maybe that's part of why this has been such an interesting time. Because we've, you know, we could all sit and stare at a screen and 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 hear the pray and, and and remember the first part we're totally listening the liturgy of the word when we're watching it, but that's the hardest part. So you're listening to the word and that's something we we're typically ready for. We do that at mass, sitting in our seats, we listen. But at that moment when we do participate, when when there's action and back and forth, right? That's the weirdest part of it being on screen. So so we don't have the opportunity in the same way. And and that, and I think that's where that sometimes we start to lose, you know, where that breaks apart, and how do we and how do we take it so that it's alive? I mean, right? It's it's supposed to be alive, and um, so part of me feels like maybe the blessing in all of this is that we we have to do what we're doing right now. If if otherwise we'd be moving right along with it and maybe not pause to think about what we're thinking about and what we're talking about today. Right. I mean, we would kind of be kind of moving in it. So now we have an opportunity um, before us. Should we take it? And so for that, for that, for those that research that you started off with, Andy, that stated that what was it like? Thirty seven percent will not come back. Will not like like. So what have we lost? I mean, that says a lot. Right. What what's not being engaged to say I need to go back. Because it's got to be, there's got to be something that that that's life giving to us that we want to take back out with us, right? Um, I wonder if it's yeah, this uh, what you were talking about, this sense of attending, right? We we go to church, we attend, and it's more about our attendance or obligation than it is about really um, praying with our community. Uh, we may be a technically a registered member of a community, but do we really know the others in the pew? And, you know, I wonder if this 36% of young adults, you know, just, they weren't, they were going out of obligation and uh, they weren't necessarily being um, 
given life uh, through the community. And the other thing is uh, teaching people, encouraging people, empowering families to be creative in their prayer at home. You know, there was a friend the other day, I said, what are you, curious, what do you do for church on Sundays? How do you spend your Sundays with your family? And, he, and they don't stream anything. They just read scripture together and they talk about it and they read the gospel, you know, and hopefully that's something that, you know, propels them out, right? Yeah. As we should do after mass. And that's the kind of thing that, that, that is there. It's together with what they're doing in church. It, 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 I think sometimes when we speak of a domestic liturgy, we try and think of it in terms of the rosary or some other things, which are separate kinds of prayer, rather than what I call sacramental things, which are drawn from the sacraments of the church, like to be able to uh, to use water, for example, on, a, on, a, on an Easter Sunday at home in order to bless ourselves and to renew our own, to use the, the elements and, and say, you know, they, it is, I'm not being rebaptized. I am taking the baptism once again upon myself, that kind of a thing, I think. But that's where I think the whatever happens and whatever is people can grow with, and probably it's it's only going to happen by people growing in church, growing at home, rather. We, you, you're not going to have a book come out and say, lit- liturgies for the home. I'm sure that they're out there, but, that, <laughs> but it's got to come out of people's desires to do it. And it's the desires to do it at home is what they bring to the desires they bring it when they come together. And the desires that come together, they bring back to the home. That's, that's the important piece, I think. We're talking about the, the connection. Well, this yeah. is all about joy. So where do the two of you find joy in liturgy? I can give you one simple example. When my mother died and I came back from the funeral, no, it was not when I came back from the hospital after she had died, I was walking around the parking lot with tears in my eyes and a big smile on my face. That there was something very beautiful about finding her death, not as a farewell, but a, a passage. And and that to be, so I think part of the joy comes from looking at the various things that we do and looking through them and finding that God is present in them. And the source of joy comes from the fact that however dark things are, God is there. He's there to be a, a challenge. He's there to be a comforter. He's there to be a lover. And that anything that happens, we finally pass it over into God and find joy there. That's where I would kind of answer very quickly that. that, that. Beautiful. My, for me, it's, 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 it's a people thing. And, and it's maybe that's personality, but the body of Christ in the community. I, I, um, I love, like, I love to be in whatever church I'm in, whatever community, even if I even know the people. If I could be visiting in in a parish because I'm traveling and there's something to me when I sit and I look around at the many, the the variety of human beings created by God, the many who find themselves present and to be there. And, um, and, and And then that communion line, just the watching of it, the kind of the movement, if you will, towards going to receive there's there's a part of me uh, that i love movement i love i love liturgy too because i love ritual i love i love physical um 
<laughs> yeah, I love the bells, the smells, <laughs> and the songs. I mean, there's a real part of me that 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 is grateful for that heritage having been passed to me in that alone. Because there, even I, my daughter-in-law, I, when she had shared with me once that that was something that was very much missing in her life because she that what she appreciated from the liturgy. But the people, I I think the people. Yeah, the community. And and when when Peter, when you said that about your your mom's passing, because I when when I first looked your notes and I thought about, yeah, can you find joy in a in a funeral mass? And 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 it's like yeah, like at a really really deep place, the greatest joy, more than anything else I've ever been. You know, and I've been to weddings and baptisms the whole bit, but there's something that 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 hits you at a place that everything that's culminated, and a person's life and a joy of, of the gift of that life. So when I think about liturgy period, I think about joy, all kinds of liturgies, sacramental, all of them. How about when I, you're doing youth ministry for anybody who did it and you're doing a reconciliation service for a, for a confirmation crowd of kids and there's, they're all nervous and nobody wants to go and there's all that anxiety and there's nothing like watching young people come out of confession <laughs> with the world, you know, this movement of joy in, the, in them. So I, I find it in the in the people in the in the community that in the body of Christ in that way. That's one thing I think most people have. I've heard that from so many people that what they miss most is to be with each other. Yeah. Yeah, miss most is to be with and each you other. You know, and we want to touch each other. We want to shake their hands. Right. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired of bowing. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> That may just be way about the Italian to me. That may be saying a lot more about that. Even the Irish and me kind of look forward to a little bit of a hug here and there. Yeah, like a kiss and a squeeze and a yeah. And I'm with you. I mean, that's the other thing when people say they're praying for you when something's happened, when you know, in all of life's moments. I mean, the church has got beautiful sacramental moments, right? And they're all major life moments. Um, yeah, we've been, we've been given a great gift and I'm hoping that we take the time to reflect on it so that we, that it comes back better, you know, that we're more engaged and, and, and for those that might not make their way back, well, maybe there'll be something they'll want to come back to once we get back in there and are able to, you know, enliven it with Maybe that passion alone, maybe the passion, the want of it will will bring that out. Um, you know, there's something that Paul said when he talks about death, actually, but it can apply to many others when he said, you shall not grieve as those who have no hope. So part of the joy is finding hope in the various things that happen. And the hope really comes from a God who loves and entrusting everything that happens to the God who loves. And there was something in Dune, which is coming out as a, they're going to do another remake of it coming up. But it, when he talks about it, he says, uh, you know, that fear is the mind killer. When I face fear, uh, I must look at the fear. I must walk through the fear. And when I pass, the fear is gone and I remain. There's something about any darkness. I have to look at it and look through it. I can't walk away from it. I can't deny it. I have to look through it and find God there. That That's where the joy, I think, comes. And it, it, it takes a, lo- a lot of learning to learn how to begin to pray that way. But I think we start listening to the rituals themselves. You know, the rituals themselves, if you listen to them, and you, you'll 
find elements of joy that are reaching out to touch you, uh, whether it be at a funeral mass, or the anointing of the sick, at a wedding, uh, at, a, at, at anything. There's something in there saying there's more here if you can only find it, you know. That's a poem. I think liturgy is ultimately a poem. You can you can walk away from it and say that's what it meant, but if you don't go back you'll, to find more, you will have lost the liturgy and you'll have lost the joy. I hope the church will you know take seriously this uh, study you know of of this group of young adults who are considering attending less often and, and really take a look at. Um, at the at how engaging and participatory liturgy is, you know, I mean, it's very Ignatian, but for me, I find joy in a, in a liturgy that engages all of my all of my senses. You know, good good music and preaching and a community that that really feels like it's it's gathered there together. Um, and then even if I'm you know maybe even lucky to be in a church that uses real bread, where it really feels more like like a meal. Um, I feel like we have we have only scratched the surface <laughs> of, of this topic, but um, we're we're out of time, unfortunately. But I'm grateful to the two of you for uh, for sharing your thoughts and reflections, uh, and to those who have have joined us this evening. Um, we invite you to watch past conversations. Um, if you haven't uh, been engaged in those, uh, you can either watch on our Facebook page or listen to them on our podcast. Just search People of Hope in your podcast app. In the meantime, visit us at ignatiushouse.org and learn about how you can join us on retreat. Be well and have a good night. Thanks for listening. Learn more about Ignatius House by visiting us at ignatiushouse.org or following us on social media. And be sure to subscribe to this wherever you listen to podcasts. May the blessing of God be with you always.